morning, Charles County! This is Cat Presents, a morning cup of advocacy, and my name's Erica. And I'm Nicole. And good morning, everybody. Um, we'd like to start with some updates. Uh, so the first update that we want to give to you is, of course, we're going to keep hounding you guys. Um, we are always taking donations, especially because we're going to be going back into our office. So our office is going to be reopened, even though we're still open. We're going back into the office. Um, so we're always looking for donations, whether that's hand sanitizer, masks, anything that you can part with that could make our center better and more safe we are definitely looking for as well as um if you are feeling generous we definitely always take monetary uh donations as well so you can either call up to our center or you can visit any of our social media outlets or our website to look in for donations yep and even if you're shopping through amazon you can do the amazon smile thing Oh, yes, that's a good one. Um, yep. And if you do want to do Amazon Smile, it's actually under our um, previous business name, which is the Crisis Center <laughs> and Referral. Let me look that up and I'll get back to you at the end of what that's actually called. Um, we'll, we'll make sure we put it at the in the description, the episode description. That's fine. Yes. Oh, it's Community Crisis and Referral, Inc. There we go. I knew it would come to Look me. Look at you, <laughs> quick with the facts. Yes, I knew it would come with me, so I do apologize. <laughs> it's okay. You're good. Um, and one more thing. Um, our paint night sales were a success, so thank you for that. And um, next time we have one of those events, we'll be sure to post that all over our social media, and we will tell you via this podcast. Mm-hmm. Now on to today's topic, and this is a big one, and it is jam-packed with all the information. So much information. We are going to talk about the LAP, which is the Lethality Assessment Program. We wanted to give you, first and foremost, a bit of history of the LAP. It was originally created by a woman named Dr. Campbell in a group of people, including DV professionals, police officers academics that um, worked with domestic violence and it was developed to decrease the number of homicides and suicides taking place. The LAP takes less than five minutes to conduct. It originally came from Dr. Campbell's danger assessment. And one thing I thought was super cool is that the LAP started in Maryland first. Mm-hmm. So our state was first and foremost in getting this going, and now it's national. But that was back in 2005. And one statistic that's pretty startling from around the time the LAP got started, only 4% of victims who had been killed reached out to a hotline or shelter in the year prior to their death. Wow. 4%. That That is a heavy number. Um, we should just let y'all sit there for a second to absorb really? that 4% of and, all deaths. And if you ever ask us why we're so passionate and why we want to be advocates and why we do what we do, that's exactly why. Mm -hmm. But um, the purpose of the LAP is to save lives by connecting victims to life-saving, community-based resources holding abusers accountable and creating awareness of lethality fa factors 
with victims and communities. The vision of the LAP, the Maryland model, is to provide an evidence-based standard of practice to reduce intimate partner homicide, increase victim safety, and enhance collaboration in every community. Mm -hmm. So now that Eric has given you kind of the history and you're kind of like, okay, so what exactly is the LAP program, the Lethality Assessment Program? So basically, the LAP is a tool used by officers, most of the time by police officers, um, to assess if someone is in immediate danger of homicide by the aggressor. Um, With that being said, it's not only completed by police officers, but police officers, especially around the state of Maryland, are the majority of the people that are completing these um, forms. Um, Again, like Erica said, it was started here in Maryland. One of the big people that always is speaking about it. His name is Dave Sargent. He has a passion for it. So if you ever see something and you're interested about the LAP program, just type in Dave Sargent and the Lethality Assessment Program. You will get so many videos um, and you will see just how passionate he is about and I'm glad you brought him up, actually, because um, we found a TED Talk that I'm going to link to this episode, too. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, that that made me remember it. It's it's an awesome TED Talk. I listened to it this morning. It's about 20 minutes, and it'll break down why he feels passionate about mm-hmm. what he does. And not just the history, but, but the impact that this program has really had on people nationwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's really good TED Talk. Um, so I definitely encourage you all to go listen to that as well. If you're especially if you're interested in kind of what the LAP has done in the state or in the country, actually. Um, and so, like Eric had said, this tool was implemented and tested to help decrease the amount of homicides related to the, related to domestic violence. Um, And the LAP has 11 questions, and depending on how they answer that, they can screen in for high danger. And if somebody does not screen in, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not in danger. So I do want to stress that, that even though, like, if you take this screening, if an officer comes out for a domestic-related incident and somebody takes this screen, just because they answered the questions um, does not mean that they are still not in danger. They're just not in immediate danger right now. Um, So I just want to stress that, that this victim could still be in danger, but they are not in immediate danger of a homicide. Yep. And um, the next question I imagine everyone probably has is, okay, there's 11 questions on the LAP, (laughs) but what are they? Yes. So um, I'll run through the first six. Mm-hmm. Number one, has he, she, or they ever used a weapon against you or threatened you with a weapon? Number two, has he, she, or they threatened to kill you or your children? Number three, do you think he, she, or they may try to kill you? Number four, does he, she, or they have a gun and... Or can he, she, or they get one easily? Number five, has he, she, or they ever tried to choke you? Number six, has he, she, or they violently or constantly jealous or 
do they control most of your daily activities? Um, have you left he, she, or they, or separated after living together or being married? Number eight, is he, she, or they unemployed? Number nine, has he, she, or they ever tried to kill himself, herself, or themselves? Number 10, do you have a child that he, she, or they knows is not his or hers? 11, does he, she, or they follow or spy on you or leave you threatening messages? And there is, so those are the 11 questions um, that you give a yes, no, or not answer. Um, and then there is another question at the very bottom is, does anything else worry you? So typically what we have seen people put in there um, is if they have a mental health problem, if they have anger issues, if they have a substance abuse problem, um, tend to go in that box. Um, so are you worried that this person stalks you and that they know exactly where you live and that they're going, like they keep doing all of these things and it's a pattern. So that's the opportunity that you can tell the officer that um, as well too, if that hasn't come up. So what this helps with, it does help that conversation to build that case for those officers. And while these questions are personal, and I understand it can probably be a scary thing to put forth that information to someone, mm -hmm. it's important because ultimately it could save your life mm -hmm. and, the, and the aggressor's life too, depending. Exactly. Um, because... As we know, domestic violence is a scary situation and most of the time involves at least two people. So it involves the victim and the aggressor. I hate using the word victim, but it involves both of them as well as if there's any kids in the house because they are a witness to that as well. And so that's why some of these questions you see do ask questions about kids and things like that. Um, so... Yep. And say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, safety is um, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. But as far as what the process of the LAP is from the time the incident occurs forward, after an incident occurs, the, the victim survivor calls the police and then the police complete the LAP form. And again, bringing it back to something I'd mentioned during the history, it takes about five minutes. Mm -hmm. It's not a long process, especially most of the officers have experienced this before. Like they know this form probably like the back of their hand. So they know, okay, I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to check this off. I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to check this off. Um, and so it really does only take a most of the time, probably even less than five minutes um, to complete. But once the officer does complete that form, if the victim, based on the questions, does screen in as high danger, then the police call our hotline at CAP to ensure that the victim is able to receive the services or resources that they need. And then what this does is that allows that person who has just been involved in this incident to talk to a, a trained hotline counselor to see if there's any needs that they need met. Where are they going? Are they going to go somewhere safe? Are they staying in the house? If they're staying in the house where's the aggressor going is the aggressor staying in the house and so they ask these questions and they try to get as much information from the 
the victim in this situation to ensure that they are safe. Okay, now, and then if they're not, they're going to safety plan with them and create this system. Okay, well, what is some things that you can do? Okay, you're going to stay in the house. Okay, how can we keep you in that house as safe as possible? Have you thought about a protective order? Have you thought about these things? Um, and so that helps. Now, if the officer um, is on the scene, they ask the questions and the victim in there doesn't screen in, but the officer believes that that victim is in danger, the officer has the power on that form to actually screen the victim in and can still call our hotline as well and say, hey, like this person technically didn't screen in, but I do believe that they are in immediate danger right now or they're in danger for their life right now. And so they'll still put them in touch with us um, at the center. Yep. And as far as safety planning, um, mm-hmm. that brings us over to home visits. Mm-hmm. And as far as what is a home visit, home visits are completed by a representative of the sheriff's office and a member of our staff at CAP. Yep. And so typically, once the LAP is called in, the one of our victim advocates, so it's going to be either myself or Erica, we are going to call that victim, we're going to talk to them, and we're going to discuss some of the services that we have, some of the resources, and then offer one of these home visits. Um, and so basically, what we do at a home visit is we go to the home and we look for safety concerns. So we look, is there a safe place? Like we safety plan in the house, like, okay. And me and the officer that I go out with a lot, the sergeant, we tend to joke about it because we're like, okay, well, we don't joke about the situation, but we joke that um, he looks for ways to keep the offense, like the aggressor out of the home. Whereas I look at kind of the inside and if that offender does get in the home, how can we make it safe for you to have that time that the police can get there to you? Um, And so one of the things that we have found and that I have learned doing these home visits is most of the time the bathroom is going to be your safest place in your house because you can barricade yourself in the bathroom easily and it's a smaller space that's harder to get into, especially if you brace the door with something that's on the tub or on the back wall it'll be harder to break that door down and to get into that door. So some helpful information for you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, (laughs) you pretty much answered it, but I was about to ask you, what does a home visit look like? Like, what is it like to be the passenger in the police cruiser and, you know, whatnot? Yeah, and I applaud our domestic violence unit because in Charles County, because that's who I go out with. And I applaud them because they answer all of my stupid questions because we ride along with them in the like in their cars and so and I just have random questions that pop into my head and I just ask and they normally chuckle and will answer but I think they're all used to me by now and used to that I'm going to ask random questions from them um but and so that does typically um describe kind of what we do at home visits um, is we just assess for the safety and try to keep them as safe as possible, especially, and we have even done it where um, the victim in the situation is still with the aggressor. And so we've kind of helped that way and like, hey, um, 
why don't we look at areas around your house that in case he does become aggressive again, places that you can go safely for him to cool down? Because we are we have no judgments um, on people. We're, we don't expect you to not be with the aggressor. We want you to be safe in whatever relationship you choose. Yep. And again, that's even something with protective orders that people may not realize is it's not always necessarily that you can't be in the same house. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of um, our clinical director is notorious for always ensuring that Erica and I know that when you go get a protective order, you don't have to expel the aggressor from the home if you want to keep the person living in the home with you that's fine um but you can still be protected yeah the point the point really is safety and Mm -hmm. you would just be making sure that the aggressor is not aggressing you anymore Mm -hmm. and is held accountable for what they do exactly yeah but um as far as talking about the relationship that cap has with both the Charles County Courts and our police department and the DV unit, Mm -hmm. those relationships are so crucial to ensuring that we're doing the best we can for the residents that live here. Mm -hmm. But um, to wrap it up, because I feel like that's pretty much LAP 101, right? I think so. I think we hit anything. No, I think we hit all the points. Okay. Well, just some housekeeping reminders. Um, We do have our hotline, of course, 24-7. We tell you every episode, but we're going to tell you again. (laughs) (laughs) The phone number is Mm -hmm. 301-645-3336. It's a crisis hotline. You can call for resources, um, call about domestic violence, call about sexual assault, pandemic stresses, any mental illness, really anything under the umbrella that's a crisis you can talk to us about. Mm Mm-hmm. We have our social media, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter. Those are always in the description link, so take a look at that. And our website is www.centerforabusepersonscharlescounty.org. And as Erica mentioned before, um, and I think she said she was going to link it, um, but definitely go check out that TED Talk from Dave Sargent. Um, because it is very informative. I think he goes into much more detail than we have with you, Um, but it's definitely a really good video. Yep. And um, one more link that we're making sure that we put at the bottom of the description. It's all about LAP, so maybe if somehow there was something you wanted to know that we didn't cover about the program, it's https dot dot slash slash lethalityassessmentprogram.org again that will be clickable for you and it something that we should add is that in order to complete the LAP form you do need to be a trained professional yeah thank you for that actually (laughs) yeah I just got to thinking about it and I was like we should probably say that Um, it is a good tool to kind of be familiar with But please do not start using it at your facility or your organization or anything like that until you are actually trained. Yeah, the reason that we wanted to get into so much detail is just to kind of have you understand if by chance you're a person that needs help, that this Mm -hmm. is what you will go through when you take the appropriate steps to call the appropriate people. 
Yes. And so we just want people to be familiar with it because not a lot of people know about the lethality assessment program. So we do, we just wanted to kind of educate the community with the caveat that if you do want to be trained, please go to that website and they can send somebody out to train you. Awesome. Well said. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So that wraps up this week's episode, but be sure to tune in next week. And until then, thank you and goodbye. Thanks. Bye.